we're back, folks. This is your host, Lonzo. I'm really happy to be back. I'm here with my good buddy, Tyler, and our new tri-host, kind of a Grinelli-type character, Connor Fuchs. We're all back here. We're excited to be back. Uh, Welcome to a terrific, dare I say, all-time episode. We have uh, two great guests on today. Excited to bring them on. Uh, One of them is an all-time legend who guys our age kind of grew up admiring and uh, tried to model their games after. I for sure did as an undersized, skillful player. Another person we have on will help you stuff your wallet, so stay tuned for that. The best is yet to come for you, Suleys. We know that the only college hockey content that really matters is Sue content. However, no one respects the college game as a whole more than us. Ipso facto, we're the college hockey podcast in the world, the go-to college hockey podcast in the world. Tyler, are you excited to be back, man? I mean, my blood's falling right now, man. I'll, I'll tell you what, Lonzo, it, it's a pleasure to be back. And I'm so excited to be back. And it's, um, we've come a long way from uh, recording on, a, on my phone in the attic and, and just trying to figure it out to now we, you know, we have, we have a somewhat professional setup and, and we're, we're just happy to be back to talking about Sioux hockey. And that's all we're going to be doing. And, and the fact that you said that you were a young, skillful player, undersized, I believe, but skillful. I mean, come on. I mean, whatever. We got great guests on today. Should we, should we talk about? Let me defend myself first. I mean, we have people who can attest to that. Um, <clears throat> I don't think the stat sheet would really attest to that. But uh, Isn't that what the stat sheet's for, is to attest for skillful uh, Why don't you ask people who have played with me on, like, uh, beer league, you know, where the stats aren't kept, or off-the-ice pond hockey. I mean, I'm, that's kind of where I thrive, and that's kind of how I've modeled the game. As a former teammate of Lonzo here, I can attest and say that, like he said on the stat sheet, you're pro- he's probably not standing out, but in the locker room, when we're talking about a glue guy, I wouldn't pick anybody else to be by my side than him. Just because he's bringing pre-rolls and Adderall doesn't mean he's a skillful hockey player. <laughs> <laughs> hey, anyway, okay, so, anyway, so, anyway, I don't so think that, our guest was bringing pre-rolls and Adderall to the uh, locker room of, uh, of the Sioux locker room in the Ralph. We're just happy to get to him. And that voice you heard earlier, someone who we're all happy to have joining us. He's going to be super skillful um, production assistant you could call him or production engineer what whatever words you want to say i don't fucking know um, his, name is connor, his name is connor fuchs um he is an na3 vet junior hockey vet he's a former jamestown blue jay played with lonzo over there bozeman ice dog and he was a league leader in games scratched um so and he's a future penalty box monster so welcome on connor fuchs well i'm very very excited to be here with you guys obviously when you guys had the pod rolling uh, a, a while back, I was a big fan and tuned into that, especially some of the interviews you guys had. And, and I'm glad to get it kind of rolling again, growing up as a huge fan of UND hockey. And, and uh, I'm really excited to help put an put a entertaining product out there for our listeners, you know, fans of UND, college hockey nerds as a whole. Obviously grew up on college hockey, and I can't think of a better crew of guys to give up more interesting hot takes on the program than this one and it's especially going to be fun to be back you know as we mentioned before uh almost back on the blue line with Lonzo here from our days at the John L. Wilson Arena yeah no it's definitely great to be back uh we're not going to promise a product on a weekly basis so we tried to do that the last time around and that's kind of what led to the downfall the downfall of Rome is uh it's kind of been described as it's been compared to but uh, we've heard the cries from the public so we're going to bring it back we're bringing it back it's here uh, and we're going to bring you the interviews when you guys want it. And we're going to get some good guests on, some guys who used to play for the program to tell some very interesting stories. And uh, not only UND hockey, we're also going to be talking UND football, UND basketball, all kind of intermingling around the same season for the first time in 
probably forever. So it's going to be a really interesting time for UND sports right now. And uh, we'll also talk sports as a whole because, uh, you know, this is a sports podcast by college dudes. So we're just going to talk about what we would talk about in the apartment. Uh, with that being said, uh, let's move on to the focus of the podcast, though. Uh, Tyler, why don't you uh, lead us into the preview for UND hockey? All right. Thanks, Lonzo. Uh, so, so talk, when we talk about UND hockey and the previewing this upcoming season, the boys are heading down to the Baxter bubble in Omaha. You know, they're playing lots of NCHE games in a short amount of time. Really, you can't talk about UND hockey without the disappointing end of last year. And if it wasn't that disappointing end, it was cut, cut short by, by this little coronavirus thing, you know, I don't think they'd have that many guys returning. So they're hungry. They want to be back. They want to be playing for the Sioux. They want to win a national championship. They want to bring a ninth national championship home. Really with all those guys returning, we also have to talk about Jake Sanderson. We can't talk about UND hockey without Jake Sanderson. Um, he's a top five pick in the NHL draft. Big, physical, strong, fast, skillful defenseman, kind of like Sam was on the blue line. Um, but uh, um, really, so I know we're, I'm going to throw it over to you guys here really quick. I don't like talking too much. But I do want to talk about one quick thing. As they go down to the bubble, <clears throat> we know JBD's not going to be there. He's at the World Junior Camp for Canada as of right now. And I know Mafia Man's going to love to hear this. But I'm really looking forward to seeing Ethan Frisch step up. You know, I want to see him fill that role that JBD left. I know Mafia Man loves Ethan Frisk and his son kind of does too, whatever. But, um, yeah, I want to see him step up and fill that role. I want to see him be a top four defenseman, play those minutes, get those points, and and really play physical, go into the corner, win those battles. Sam, what do you think? I'm really excited for uh, this season. As you said, I mean, UND's coming back, trying to defend the Penrose Cup. Mafia Man, that's a great plug. You know he's going to be listening. He loves UND sports. I'm going to put this on Sioux Sports. Uh, this is a plug for the boys, SiouxSports.com. Greatest fan forum in the country. But with that being said, I'm really looking forward to the team. I mean, they return a lot of talent like you. Uh, I'm not sure if you mentioned or not, but Colton Pullman, they lose him on the back end. Uh, they're going to be replacing him with some freshmen. Uh, up front, they lose guys like Cole Smith and Weston Mashad. It's going to be tough to replace, but uh, they got some depth guys who are going to step up and progress in their latter years of their career. Uh, guys like Mark Sendon, Grant Mismash, I think is going to have a huge year. Um, Shane Pinto is going to have a step up and have a Hobie-type candidacy season. I'm really excited for the season. Now, another thing to look at is the net, what's going to happen in between the pipes, uh, in between Peter Tome and Adam Scheel. They're two really good goalies, so I'm not really concerned at all when we talk about the goalie controversy because uh, I think we got two good goalies, so it's going to pan out well. And they have good guys in the blue line playing in front of them. Fuchs? Yeah, I mean, I'm most excited to see what Gooch is going to do this year. I think it's uh, the coolest thing about hockey is that guys can go play four years and then they're basically just free agents in the NHL. I know we can all think back to what to what Kajula did and he ended up choosing the Oilers and then eventually made his way to my Chicago Blackhawks. But I'm really looking forward to see what Kyle Gucci can do this year. I think he's going to be uh, I think he's going to be a Hobie candidate again. I mean, I don't see why not. But uh, another thing that I that I want to kind of speak on is you talked about how we're kind of losing Colton Pullman or we are losing Colton Pullman and who we're bringing in, who we're bringing into obviously Jake Sanderson, number five overall pick in the NHL draft. It's not often that you get a top 10 pick that's going to even play a year in college hockey, let alone coming in as a freshman. So that's going to be huge. Obviously we're bringing in uh, Tyler Clevin. He was another pick for the Ottawa senators. He's going to be, he's going to do some damage. He's a big body. Uh, coming from the U.S. program, so that'll be huge. I'm looking forward to seeing what the third and fourth line can produce. Obviously, it's a whole old hockey cliche. 
Like you need four lines banging every night to be able to to get where you want to be. And I think that UND is just a team to do that. I just, I really can't wait to to watch when December comes around into the Baxter bubble. So. Yeah. And that's just a quick preview right now. Obviously when, once the games start up, we'll have a lot more to talk about, about this UND team. I mean, the one thing, I mean, I'm just looking at the roster right now and you scroll down that roster and there's a lot of familiar names with a lot of names that have been here the last two, three years. The freshmen, I mean, who knows how much playing time they get. Obviously, we know Sanderson will play. I want. I like to talk about what Fuchs said. You know, championship hockey teams, we see it at the NHL level. We see it at the college level. You have to have four lines. It doesn't matter if you have a Hobie candidate on your team. It matters how deep you are. Can, you, can your fourth line play against the other team's first line and shut them down? And I think this team can do that going into the Baxter bubble. Yeah, I think that's – we just can't wait to watch it. Come December 2nd, 3.30, we're going to be tuning in at CHC TV, you know, watching our guy, watching our guy Alex Heinert calling the games. I can't wait. Can't wait to hear his voice again. So, um, Alex, if you're listening to this, a little shout-out as well. Sam? Yeah, Alex Tyner, Sioux Light alum, uh, I'm sure he's listening. But I'm looking at the roster too, a little last note before we move on to the NCHC as a whole. Uh, another big step guy. You hear that uh, term used a lot, especially by Brad Schlossman. What guys are going to take a big step in their career from their freshman to sophomore year? I think Judd Caulfield's going to take that big step, and he's going to be the type of guy. Uh, another guy I look at is uh, Jasper Weatherby. Jasper Weatherby is another big guy who's going to be a big net front presence for UND, just all around. And then freshman as a whole, I'm really excited about Reese Gaber. He was a USHL player of the year. Uh, Brendan Booty, a transfer. He played for Denver University, so he knows what it's like to play in the NCHC. I think that's a good transition into the NCHC as a whole. So let's go into what we think the NCHC standings are going to look like uh, coming out of the regular season, the final regular season standings. Uh, We're going to give you one concrete Sioux Light preseason poll. And then we're just going to talk about the differences we may have amongst these teams and what we're excited about. And then I'm going to give a little rundown on each team. How's that sound? All right. So I'm going to just lay out the teams here, starting from the bottom to top. Miami, they're going to be the cellar dweller. Omaha at seven. The Colorado College Tigers at six. The Western Michigan Broncos at five. The Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs at four. Uh, the St. Clown State Huskies at three, the Denver Pioneers at two, and uh, the University of North Dakota Fighting Sioux as the will win the Penrose Cup champions again. What do you think about that, Tyler, your instant reactions to that? So here are my instant reactions. I like I liked the order, obviously. Um, the bottom four and the top four are, are kind of a crapshoot, right? But we all know that the bottom four is going to consist of Miami, Omaha. I think uh, CC and Western are all be in the bottom four. Top four will be UND, Denver, Clown, and Duluth but it'll be very interesting to see what Omaha does they are playing at home in at their home arena they don't have to travel they don't I don't know if they're staying in a hotel or whatever but they're, they're staying in Omaha so if any team has qualitative or quantitative advantage it's them um, they have the home ice advantage even though there's no fans they don't play in front of fans anyways down there in Omaha but uh, <laughs> but um, yeah that's kind of a gut reaction it's a crapshoot. Top four, bottom four is a crapshoot, but, but I like what we got there. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go against the grain here. I'm going to throw St. Clown State out of, the, out of my top four. I'm going to put them at five, just strictly due to the fact it isn't even really hockey-related. I just don't like that school. I've never liked them. Uh, I think it's a dirty town. It's a dirty school. I'm going to throw Western Michigan into my top four. I think they have a good chance to do something good this year. I'm also, uh, I formerly lived on the west side of the Mitten, so I'm going to give them a little bit of love. But, uh, 
but uh, yeah, no, I think that the, the UND Duluth Denver, however way you want to shake it out, that's definitely how it's going to end. And I, I, I think you can't really change that up. At the Sioux, we're going to win the Penrose Cup. Uh, and then outside of that, I mean, this is the official poll. I mean, as the guy who's the most well-versed in NCHC hockey, you know, really put his nose to the grindstone. This is what's going to happen. I mean, St. Cloud State, uh, I put them ahead of Duluth, which is a little controversial. That's going to take some controversy. But uh, I just like their roster. They still have a little bit of a Motsko flair to them. They have some a lot of speed. They're going to be one of the fastest teams in the NCHC, mixed with a lot of physicality and a really good goaltender, too. Uh, Western Michigan, uh, they, they have size to them, but they're going to struggle to score goals. So I'm not sure uh, outside of some alleged bias you uh, kind of hope to have there. Uh, I mean, they're, they're not going to be that great, but that really does it. So let's move on to the our preseason. This is going to be collective, but a lot of conjecture here outside of it as well, because there's a lot of guys we're missing out. So let's just all list out our uh, preseason team. Sue Light preseason team for Lonzo, myself. Uh, we got Jordan Kawaguchi. I'm going to go forwards to goalie. Jordan Kawaguchi out of the University of North Dakota. Uh, he was a Hobie finalist last year. He's an obvious candidate. Bobby Brank out of Denver. I think he's going to be scoring the load of the points down there for them for a really good team, top four team in the country. Uh, Sam Hedges, he's going to be my final forward. I think he's really good. Um, he's going to be getting the most points for St. Cloud State. I think he has the potential to be in the top three in the NCHC for points this year. Uh, moving to defense, uh, I kind of struggled with this one. I didn't want to put both Kierstead and Bernard Docker in, so I just put one UND defenseman. Uh, I'm going to change it up here, and I'm going to go Matt Kierstead just because Bernard Docker is going to be playing. Uh, he's going to be spending some time with the Canada World Junior team, so I'm not going to put him in my preseason all-conference team. So I'm going to go Kierstead and then Brian Yoon out of Colorado College. He's going to lead Colorado College to a rather a pretty good season for their standards. Mike Havland has uh, kind of built a program to the point, uh, so it's a make-or-break year for Havland down at Colorado College. And for goalie, I have Isaiah Seville, Nebraska-Omaha. What do you think, Tyler? Good list. Um... I mean, Gooch has obviously got to be on everybody's list. Hobie Baker finalist, there's enough said about him. He's there. He's going to score goals. He's going to be on the power play. He's, he's the best player on UND this year. I mean, preseason-wise, at least. Um, my next player, I got Cole Gutman from DU. To be honest, I don't really know much about him. I just like his name. His name's Cole Gutman. It's a sick name. So I, I think I think he's a pretty sick player, too. So I expect him to be up there. Um, the next four I got is Cole Kepke from Duluth. Um, I mean, he was one of the best players on the team last year, kind of overshadowed by Perunovic, but but he was third on the team in points last year. He was he was their best he was their best forward on their team, so that's a good guy. I left him off, but uh, I didn't yeah. have any bulldogs on my list. But he deserves to be on there for sure. Yeah, yeah he's a good, he's a great player, and it'll be interesting to see what he does down there in the Baxter bubble. For defenseman, I got Sanderson, Jake Sanderson. Um, he'll be. I mean, he's a number five overall pick playing at UND. He's going to be playing top four minutes, night in, night out. He He's going to be an all-backstreet bubble team. And then my other defenseman, I got Kirstead for UND. Um, he's a senior. He's been running the power play for a couple of years now. He's going to be, you know, he's assistant captain last year. He's going to be one of the best defensemen in the NCHC again this year. It's tough to leave a lot of these UND players off the list. I mean, they're so deep and they're so good. And Kirstead's going to win the Norris for the NCHC this year. Yeah, he might. He's, he's a great player, and he's, he's a veteran in the NCHC. He's going into his senior year. You don't see that a lot with UND defensemen who are as skilled and as fast and as physical as him. Usually they'll leave, um, but uh, it'll be cool to see him play again in his senior year. He was one of the guys who I think is very hungry for a national championship. 
And then for goalie, I got Magnus Coronavirus uh, from DU. Obviously, Adam Scheel had a great first half of the year last year. He's one of the best goalies in the country. But he kind of fell apart there in the second half. He got really shaky after Christmas. I don't know if he had one too many Christmas wines at his place or what, but uh, Magnus Coronavirus. Ukes? Yeah, you know, I'm going to agree with you guys both. Obviously, Kawaguchi's going to be on that list. I don't think I need to add to that conversation anymore other than the fact that he's just going to be the best hockey player in the NCHC this year. I also got Shane Pinto on my list as a forward. I'm going to be a little bit biased here on the UND guys, obviously. Uh, I got Shane Pinto. He he played for the USA World Junior Team last year, and he had a really good tournament. And you got to think playing up against the the best players in the world, and then your season gets cut short. Like he's still coming off of that uh, that big ride, and and playing against those great players. For my other forward, I got Noah Cates from UND. I'm expecting him to be, if not their top scorer, one of their top scorers at UND this or at UMD this year. Sorry. For my defenseman, I got Jake Sanderson. Like you said, Tyler, top five pick. You can't overlook him. The guy's going to be sick. I'm also going to put Kearset up there. I mean, he's basically a blue blood in the NCHC at this point. Uh, he's one of those four-year guys that everybody just comes and kind of comes and grows to love. So I'm going to put him on that list. And for my goalie, I got David Hrenick from uh, St. Cloud State. I know I bashed St. Cloud State earlier, and I will give you my reason for why their goaltender is going to be the best in the league. And I think it's just straight up. I hope that they get 60 shots against them a game and he has to just stand on his head. So, yeah, that's uh that's definitely good reasoning. Um, uh, with that being said, we left a lot of guys off the list. So I'm going to kind of do a quick little run through here of the NCHC to try. Uh, what I did here is I looked at every roster on NCHC. The roster was provided by nchchockey.com. And I just looked at the names I know just from watching the games the last three years and seeing what names I recognize, what names stand out. So I might be leaving some guys off, but these are just some general comments about each team and uh, the players to watch on each team. So we're going to go in alphabetical order here, starting with Colorado College. Uh, Their head coach is Mike Havland. Uh, Some good players to watch on their team. Ben Copeland, he's a forward, along with Trey Conzo. He's also a forward. They're going to be getting the majority of the points for the Tigers. And then Brian Yoon, I previously mentioned him as an all-conference guy for me. I think he's going to carry the Tigers and uh, maybe get some NHL interest. Uh, Some general notes about them. Uh, They have a lot of Minnesota influence. It's kind of interesting. Havlin must have some connection there, especially in their freshman class. Moving on to Denver, Colorado College, uh, the gold pan rivalry. They're head coached by David Carl, one of the youngest coaches in the country. Uh, some good players for them. Uh, gosh, they're, they're really deep, so I'm going to be not naming all of them, but just some of the guys who stood out for me. Cohen Olachewski, forward. Griffin Mendel, defenseman. Bobby Brink, I put him on my all-conference team. He's a forward. Sophomore, I think he's going to develop and have a big year. Brett Stapley, forward. And uh, Jako Heinonen, forward. So, yeah, I'm leaving a lot of guys off, but they're really the deepest team in this conference outside of UND. Moving on to Miami, uh, their head coach is Chris Bergeron. Uh, I really miss Rico Blasi. He's a really good coach. He's my favorite. But uh, some good players for them, 21 Savage, Ryan Savage. Derek, he's a forward. Derek Doshke, defenseman. Casey Gilling, forward. Chase Pletsky, forward. Uh, yeah, so Miami, we all had them last in our rankings, so there's really not much notes to be talked about. But uh, some fun notes. I mean, Ryan Savage, his number is 21. So he – honorably gets the deservedly gets the nickname 21 savage and they have the highest bubble ratio in the nchc uh you don't see a lot of bubbles in the league so it's pretty cool to see i mean it's just uh, kind of interesting maybe the boys the, are also love to party i mean uh, the, the, the miami boys love to party that's right that's right 
there is a, there is some stories about them showing up to parties after a series and just sending it with the boys. So uh, can't count them out. Can't count them out ever. Uh, Duluth, moving on to Duluth, they're head coached by uh, UND alum Scott Sandlin. Uh, they're the two-time defending national champions. Uh, they, they're losing Hunter Shepard and uh, Hobie Baker winner Scott Perunovich, so it's going to be interesting to see if they're able to replace that production. Good players to watch for them are the Cates brothers, Noah and Jackson, uh, Nick Sweeney, also a forward, and Cole Kepke, a forward who had Tyler had on his preseason All-American team, or All-NCHD team. Uh, moving on to the Fighting Sioux, uh, yeah, what else is there to be said about them? We've already covered them a lot. Good players, Kawaguchi, Shane Pinto, Matt Kierstead, Jacob Bernard Docker, dot, dot, dot. I mean, the whole roster is just very deep, the deepest in the country, if you ask me, a uh, very unbiased opinion. But um, uh, they're the defending Penrose Cup champions, so they got a target on their back. Moving to Omaha, the host of the Baxter bubble, their head coach is Mike Gavinette. Uh, some good players on their team, Nate Kepke, defenseman, Taylor Ward, forward, Tyler Weiss, forward, and UND transfer, Johnny Tyconic. Interesting to see how he will play out with that roster. Their goalie is Isaiah Seville, too. He's my all-conference, preseason all-conference goalie. I think he's going to, if they have any hope at uh, competing in the conference this year, it will depend on him. Moving on to St. Cloud State, uh, some good players for them. Sam Henchy is who I had on my all-conference preseason team. He's a forward uh, along with Nolan Walker, forward, and Easton Brodzinski, forward. He lives in the shadow of his older brother, Johnny, but he's still a good college hockey player. And then they have a big, deep, big blue line. Uh, Perbix, he's 6'4". Spencer Meir, who Fuchs had on his preseason team, he's 6'4". Luke Jaycock, 6'3", and Andre Trejbal, 6'3". St. Cloud State's big. They got that Motsko flair, like I said earlier. Uh, they're a good team. Their goalie is David Rennick, who Fuchsie likes a lot, too. Um, he won't just be getting – I don't think he's going to be getting as much shots as Fuchs thinks he will, but uh, he'll be stopping the ones he does see. Uh, moving on to Western Michigan, finally, uh, their head coach is the legend Andy Murray. Uh, some good players for them, Michael Joyau, defenseman. Ronnie Attard, defenseman, uh, big size from Attard. Uh, they got a lot of size, Western Michigan does, on the, especially from their blue line. Uh, Lucas Samuelson is their forward. They're going to need to score points. That's going to be an issue for them, uh, and that's an issue. I mean, you need to score points to win hockey games. So I'm gassed, guys. What do you think about that? I like that list, Sam. So I think we, uh, after talking about just, you know, we've talked a lot about the NCHC. Uh, we talked a lot about UND. We are a college hockey podcast so we got we got to recognize nationwide um some other college hockey going around so i think uh we just give a quick uh quick preseason hobie baker finalist and winner uh followed by a national champion national champion so i guess i'll go first so so for my hobie baker pick um i got cam york cam york out of michigan he's from anaheim california he's not it's not a huge hockey hub um, he's not huge. He's 5'11", 170, but he was a first-round pick 2019, 14th overall to the Flyers. I mean, this dude sees the ice well. He gets the puck off his stick. He has accurate passes. He's got four points in four games. I mean, he's playing in the Big Ten. You could call it kind of the uh, Big 12 of college hockey, if you will. Not a whole lot I call of it the big mistake. <laughs> anyway, I mean, they got, they got hockey players there. They got, they got hockey players, and I think Cam York, Cam York wins, uh, wins the Hobie. Um, this year for national champion, um, it's tough not to not to choose UND. Um, this is again before any games have been played. We're we're still kind of living off that high from last year, but the hopes are high. 
the hopes are really high this year for the, this team. We talked earlier, they're the deepest in the country. They're the biggest, they're fast, they're physical, they're skilled. They, they got two of the best tendies in the nation. I don't see many teams, maybe BC, maybe the Gophers being able to compete with them. So with that being said, Fuxi, what do you think? Yeah, for my Hobie pick, I'm actually going to take two here and I'm going to be very biased. I'm going to say that it's either going to be Kawaguchi or Pinto. I think both guys have a really good shot. Obviously, Kawaguchi was a finalist last year. We can think he got robbed. Perunovic is a good player. He's obviously going to be playing in the NHL now. And uh, so Kawaguchi's one. I think Pinto's going to have a good shot at it too. Like I said before, playing in the World Junior, he's probably going to play in it again this year. He put up points. He's kind of a hero for UND last year, obviously scoring that goal against Western Michigan to win the, the Penny Rose, as the boys call it. So I'm going to go with Kawaguchi and Pinto. For my national champion, no-brainer, obviously, the flagship university, UND. That's very biased in me saying that. But to back it up a little bit, I think that UND definitely – they're going to be playing with a little bit of redemption this year. I think they kind of – they thought last year was the year, and I think everybody else did too, and bringing a lot of guys back. And they're all they're – all, I mean, it's championship or bust for this team, and I think that they can get it done. Yeah, so my Hobie Baker candidate, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Jordan Kawaguchi. Uh, he was a finalist last year, so I'm not going to go against him this year. He's uh, going to benefit from being on the best line in college hockey. Uh, that, I think that's enough said there. I mean, Jordan Kawaguchi is going to win the Hobie Baker. I think that should just be a fact in college hockey circles. Uh, for my national championship, I'm going to buck the trend. Uh, I don't call it superstition. I'm not going to go with the Sioux. Um, I just think it's interesting to do this. It gives me another team to root for. And uh, that way I'm not going to jinx them, you know, because I have a history of every team that I – give a lock on a word lock everybody who gambles knows that that's not good so it's not a lock that und wins it anything can happen in a single elimination tournament and uh with that being said 2020 is a really weird year i know the tournament's going to be played in 2021 but it's going to be a weird season so why not have a weird champion i think st cloud state's going to win it uh nchc represents i've already laid out my infatuation with the program i like st cloud state they're going to win it uh they've had a lot of heartbreak this that, that fan base deserves it. Give me St. Cloud State. Well, I mean, you just said that St. Cloud State, you picked them to win the national championship, right? The last time you picked St. Cloud State to win anything, they lost to AIC, right? And I think that if we have some old die diehard listeners from a, from a year and a half or a couple of years ago, they do remember that you said you would get a tattoo on one of your ass cheeks, um, an AIC logo tattoo. Um, so I, I guess what my question to you, Sam, is – when can the people expect that? Uh, never. Never. I don't think people can ever expect me to get that ASC tattoo. Um, I think we know that that was kind of just us having a little too many Miller lights in the lodge attic. And I kind of made a drunken statement like, no way. AIC. <laughs> but I, I like AIC. I mean, I would, uh, I'm a fan of the program. I know a player, I know a player who, uh, currently plays for them. He's a freshman with the program now. I don't know him well, but uh, he's a good guy. With that being said, I, uh, I don't know. I'm just not going to get the tattoo. St. Cloud State let me down. They're not going to let me down again. Yeah, the tattoo's not happening. What do you think about that? I think – how about this? St. Cloud State wins two playoff games. St. Cloud State makes it to the Frozen Four. AIC's going right on your ass cheek. I mean, it's got to be done, right? It's got to be done. If AIC... I, can't drive, I can't drive by a tattoo parlor and not think about that. Okay, I'll put the, put this on record, put it in stone. If AIC wins the national championship is the only circumstance I will get a tattoo of AIC. 
it's on record. Aaron Grounds, if you're listening to this, our buddy at AIC, I don't know if you have anything else to play for, but uh, your old friend Sam to get a tattoo on his ass. But I think we can root for you guys to uh, to get that done because I would I would love to – I wouldn't want to see it. I'd love to hear about the fact that Sam got a tattoo on his ass. So. Oh, it's yeah. enough motivation for the boys. Yeah, kind of out of the bag. I stopped that kid on a breakaway in squirts. He was kind of my uh, youth hockey rival, but uh, we bonded when we uh, when the programs intertwined and uh, Jamestown Valley City combined. But with that being said, that's enough college hockey talk. Let's uh, move into uh, a broader focus of sports now and move into sports gambling, something we all hold near and dear to our hearts. Let's move into what we're going to call the Sulite Gambling Corner with Tail Killer. <laughs> Hello, welcome to our new segment. We got the Gambling Corner with our weekly guest or our episode guest, Tail Killer. Um, every episode, we're going to be talking gambling um, during this segment. We're going to be talking gambling for all football games, hockey games, any sort of gambling around the, around the sports nation. Um, our special guest, Tail Killer, is here with us. Tail Killer, say hello to the audience. Hey, guys. How's it going? Very honored. And uh, very cool to be on this very prestigious podcast with you guys tonight. It's an honor to have you, Tail Killer. It's an honor to have you. Love Thank having you, you here, Tail Killer. We're going to make some picks and uh, hopefully uh, let it be noted that we're making this recording at halftime of Monday Night Football between the Buccaneers and the Rams. So uh, by the time this podcast is released, uh, these games will have already been played, but we're just putting this on the record so we can keep track at uh, how good we're doing. And uh, also let it be noted that sports gambling is not legal in North Dakota. So we're just doing this for the sake of fun and keeping track at uh, how good we are at knowing sports. Right, guys? Right. right. No money being put down on these bets. It's all hypothetical. I'm, I'm not a gambler. Neither am I. Nobody is. It's illegal here. All right. So our first game, the – Noon game on Thanksgiving Day. We got the Lions against the Texans. Sam, who do you like? I think I got to go with the Lions here. I don't know. I just got a gut feeling sticking with my NFC North squads, but I don't know. This one this one can go either way. I think all three of these games were tough to pick, but I'm going to go Lions in the first one. I agree. I agree. I'm going to go with you. Um, I agree with the Lions. Um, they're used to the Thanksgiving Day spotlight. Uh, they've been there before. Ford's Field is uh, – I'm not sure what the fan situation – do you guys know what that is? Um, but you got to imagine there's going to be people bringing their Thanksgiving meal into Ford's Field. It's going to be great. Um, give me the Lions. I got the Texans. I'm going to fade both of you. The Texans um, last week looked great against the Patriots. Deshaun Watson is a stud. He's going to tear up. That Lions defense was looked absolutely atrocious. Jeff Okuda is the biggest bust in the draft so far. Yeah, give me the Texans. Give me the Texans. Give me the Texans all day. Um, that's probably the easiest bet on this slate. Next game, our next game, we got the Cowboys versus the football team. Again, the Cowboys have traditionally always played on Thanksgiving Day, a team that's very used to playing on Thanksgiving. Everybody hates the Cowboys. Tail killer, who do you got? We're going Cowboys here. I actually did a little little research. Cowboys have won the last two against the Redskins on Thanksgiving, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I don't no. see it. Trends, I don't, trends. I don't see that changing. Uh, Cowboys played the Minnesota Vikings, who I ungratefully cheer for, and they look pretty good on Sunday. And I think that will continue on to Thanksgiving, and it's the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. I think it's like a criminal offense if you don't bet on them. Once again, I'm going to have to agree with Tail Killer. 
Um, I think I accidentally leaked your real name. I hope that's not a big deal in our last game. But uh, Tail Killer, I'm going to have to agree with you here once again with uh, the Thanksgiving spotlight being the reason. Um, the Cowboys coming off a big win against the Vikings. It's a big game in the NFC at least. Um, it's a huge game. Um, and the Cowboys view it as a Super Bowl. It's not a trap game whatsoever. They're putting all their focus into this game. Give me the Cowboys in this game. America's team on Thanksgiving Day. Well, the football team versus the Cowboys is very, very interesting. Um, we got the Cowboys, very prestigious team, playing on Thanksgiving, always a play on Thanksgiving. Both teams are coming off really big wins, actually. They both just got into the race then for the NFC Beast. Uh, I would love to fade both of you again, um, just for trend's sake, but, but I don't see the Cowboys losing this game as long as Andy Dalton's healthy. It's going to be a shootout, believe it or not. I think uh, my bet for this game will be the over, no matter what it is. Uh, both defenses are horrible. I, I, I just see the Cowboys winning. There's no, there's no way that, that the football team can play with the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day. So next game we got, we got probably the most premier matchup of the Thanksgiving Day games. We got the Steelers, 10-0, get going against the Ravens. An AFC North matchup, always fun to watch. So happy this game was on Thanksgiving Day. Tail killer, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to go with the Steelers in this one. I, I was thinking Ravens earlier today, and then the Dobbins and Ingram tested positive, and that came out. I, I don't think that the Ravens are good enough to hang with the Steelers right now. Should be close, though. Should be low scoring, I hope. Pound the ball. That's what we're hoping for. Tail killer. I agree with you. I mean, this is a fun game to watch for me. Everybody knows I'm a Bengals fan, so uh, the AFC North, it's the best division in football. Um, I think that the Steelers, I mean, the way they're playing right now and the way the Ravens are playing, especially, um, uh, they're not, they're limping into this crucial matchup, a marquee matchup in the, towards the latter end of the season. Um, give me the Steelers here. I think the way big Ben's looking right now, he's cementing himself as a first ballot hall of famer. He's a really good quarterback and he's going to show us again on Thanksgiving day. And I'm going to feel good laying fat on the couch knowing that a fat guy is dominating playing quarterback on national TV. So that's going to feel great. The Steelers are 10 and 0, right? Am I wrong? The Steelers are 10 and 0. The Ravens are coming off a horrible loss against the Titans, a team that they should have beat. I mean, the, the Titans defense is horrible, right? And, and the Titans ended up beating them in overtime. Um, Big Ben, he throws the ball like your drunk uncle on Thanksgiving. He somehow manages to get the ball off of his hand and into a receiver's hands every time. Um, the Steelers have looked absolutely unbeatable. Their defense is outstanding. They had Juju and Chase Claypool, some of the best receivers in the NFL. And I really think the Ravens are going to win this game. I really do. I think the Steelers are fat and happy. I think um, the Ravens coming off this loss um, really need some work. Um, so I'm, I'm taking the Ravens, taking the Ravens. And um, so now we talked about Wait, the I have NFL. a quick question. Do we know if Big Ben eats a meal for supper at this night game, or does he just wait till after the game? Because if he eats a noon meal, I want to switch my pick. Uh, that's a great question. Um, what uh, If you think he's eating a heavy noon meal, you're going to switch it to the Ravens? Yep. Okay. that's a, I'm kind of opposite. I think he thrives best. His usual pregame meal is probably something heavy uh, loaded with pasta. So if anything, going with a nice lean meat with turkey is going to improve his performance, don't you think? Maybe. I don't know. That's tough. I just know that if I'm eating a Thanksgiving meal at noon, I'm not running around at 7 p.m. trying to throw a football around. 
Yeah, well, that's a great transition. Uh, before we go into our college picks, uh, Thanksgiving Day, speaking of Thanksgiving Day traditions, um, this year it's going to be a little different for a lot of people, but I just figured I'd share my Thanksgiving traditions, and if uh, you guys want to share what your guys' usual is, uh, feel, feel free to do so. Um, so my usual Thanksgiving tradition, um, usually uh, just have a lot of people over. Um, I find the one guy in the family who that is, uh, I'll leave unnamed. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. But we go for the walk. Uh, for everybody who's out there, they know what that is. Uh, the walk is where you go out before the meal or after the meal. When that is, is uncertain. You know, kind of if you want to do it after the meal, get in that mindset before the football or get in that mindset before eating. But that's something I love. You know, that's something I love doing. Um, another part of it is uh, Black Wednesday, which we're going to be missing out of. Our first legal Black Wednesday is something that we're missing. Thanks, Doug Burgum. God, the hometown, everybody getting blacked out, you know, tail killer. Tell me you're going to be missing uh, Black Friday where you're going to be celebrating, right? Yeah, um, I was going to say, I don't have a lot of traditions. I would guess the biggest one is trying to eat as many plates as possible. But yeah, I was just thinking that I think Black, Black Wednesday was definitely up at the top of my Thanksgiving tradition list that I was looking to start. It looks like we're going to have to push that back another year, but hopefully next year we'll We'll make up for lost time and we'll uh, we'll kick her hard next time. You don't take the walk? No, I'm not. I'm not a walk guy. Uh, <laughs> I'm more of a sit on the couch all day and watch football and try, uh, to, try to stay there. My walk, that's a double meaning for everybody out there who knows what we mean. Uh, Tyler, what's your Thanksgiving Day traditions? Well, as you guys were, I was very much looking forward to the to the Black Wednesday traditions. Um, last year was my first legal Black Wednesday. I um, had a great time. Thanksgiving morning, woke up around 11. You know, the first kickoff for the football games is at noon. Jeff gave me a liquid IV, felt great, had the first Miller cracked around noon for that kickoff game. So, I mean, this Thanksgiving is going to be no different. Noon kickoff is when that first Miller is cracked. Just eating all day, drinking all day, watching football. Football's always got to be on the TV. Really, it's just the close, immediate family this year. You know, Jeffrey, Carey, everybody, everybody in the fam. We're going to be drinking a lot, eating a lot, talking a lot. You know, football is really the big thing that Thanksgiving is always circled around. We're always circled around the football games on Thanksgiving. That's always a tradition. And really just looking forward to uh, seeing the family. It's been a while. That's awesome. That's awesome. We're going a little over time on the gambling corner, but it's a segment I think people are going to love. So, uh, Tyler, why don't you tell us the college lines here? So, our next two games, we'll just quickly – get to them. I don't, I don't think they need much highlight. Uh, they're not super close lines, but we got two big rivalry games. The first game is the battle for Paul Bunyan's Axe. We got my Wisconsin Badgers um, at home against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. The line then is 21 and a half. The Badgers are favored. I, I would assume that line's going to move as we get closer to the weekend. And then the second game, we got Alabama is playing Auburn in the Iron Bowl. This game is always close. Um, besides that, the line is still 24 and a half in the favor of Bama. Again, that line is subject to move, but we are recording this on Monday. So, tail killer, what do you got? We're going Gophers to cover. Sky Yuma, go, roll the boat, go Gophers. PJ Flex going to keep it at least close. They're they're not great, but I, I, they're not a 22-point dog in this. And then I'm going to take Bama to cover against Auburn. Tail killer taking the two favorites, or the underdog and the favorite. Tail killer's going with the dogs. Tail killer is going with the dogs. Um, 
so what I'm going to go with here is I'm going to have to agree with tail killer when we go with uh, Minnesota. I think they're going to cover Wisconsin looked horrible against Northwestern. I don't think anybody can really deny that. And uh, Minnesota looks good despite having a lot of guys out last week against Purdue. They were still able to put together a really good game and I'd like PJ Fleck, regardless of what I've said about him in the past um, in terms of the iron bowl. I think Alabama's legit. I'm going Alabama. Uh, they're going to win by a lot. It's a show me game. They're going to show that they're the by far and away the number one team in the country. Despite my better judgment, um, you know, I grew up in Wisconsin, big Wisco fan. Last week was obviously disappointing. Um, the Badgers are going to win another pinstripe bowl or another champ sporting good bowl or whatever the f- fuck they play for again this year. 21 and a half at home against the Gophers this year. There's no way they don't cover that. The, the Badgers' defense is for real. The Badgers' offense needs some work. They don't have that marquee back that, that they've had in the past. But, I, I mean, they're, they're going to cover 21 and a half pretty easily. And when it comes to Bama-Auburn, again, this is the Iron Bowl. And Auburn is going to cover this game. Auburn might win the football game here. Auburn might win this football game. Um, maybe sprinkle the money line here with Auburn. I haven't looked at the money line price. Um, but – That is what I got for these college games. Anything else, Sammy? That will do it for Gambling Corner. Um, Thanks for coming on, Tail Killer. Thanks for coming on, Tail Killer. Uh, It was a pleasure having you on. We're going to keep track of these picks throughout uh, the lifespan of Sue Light, so indefinitely. And you guys are going to be able to keep track of how good we are at our picks. And uh, guest pickers retweet when we drop the episode for the podcast if you retweet it you'll be eligible to become tail killer so if you want to come on and give your guest picks and uh chop it up with the boys retweet the episode and you will be the next tail killer thanks for coming on tail killer and uh go gophers hey thank you guys very much have a good thanksgiving tell all the fam i said hi and it's a very prestigious honor so there should be a bunch of retweets out here and it's it's a very cool and good group of guys Hey, appreciate it very much. Appreciate it very much. You have a good night and a happy Thanksgiving too. Thanks guys. Thanks to a killer. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is our honor. The time has come. We have with us a very special guest, a fighting Sioux legend in the heyday of the WCHA. He's the son of Anchorage, Alaska, former Penticton V, started the pipeline of V's to Forks. Fighting Sioux hockey legend, two-time Broadmoor Trophy winner as the winner of the WCHA Final Five, two-time McNaughton Cup champion for the WCHA regular season champs, four-time NCAA tournament participant, two-time Frozen Four participant, a man who has played professional hockey in the AHL, ECHL, and the German Hockey League. This human highlight reel has scored some of the most memorable goals in UND hockey history. Please welcome to the program, Evan Trout. How's it going? <laughs> Good to have you on. What do you think about that intro? Yeah, it's a, it's a good intro. North Dakota knows how to do their intros. Yeah, yeah. No, we tried to juice it up as much as possible. I probably could have done a little better with the uh, delivery, but uh, we're really excited to have you on. I mean, uh, we kind of grew up in the era where we watched you growing up, and you were kind of one of the instrumental players in our childhood. So it's really interesting to have you on. I mean, you were a legend for four years. Yeah, thanks for having me. Fuchs, uh, you got anything you want to say to Evan right away? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you remember this, Evan, but I'm a former camper of yours at the Sioux Youth Hockey Camp. I don't expect you to remember me. I was kind of, uh, kind of a lanky kid, not a very good hockey player at the time anyway. But uh, the first thing I wanted to ask you, 
is about your first game in the UND Minnesota rivalry. We did a little research on you. We were kind of in the YouTube. I know that uh, that the school did a little little segment on you talking about that goal that you scored, the diving goal against the Gophers. If you want to dive into that a little bit and kind of let us know your thoughts and uh, what you were thinking during that game, the rivalry, and then kind of talk about the goal a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, leading up to it, uh, that's, you know, that was always the big, the big talk, uh, going to North Dakota, it was instantly, you know, that, that rivalry with the Gophers was, was, you know, kind of the big game to look forward to. And, uh, it was, uh, it was pretty cool experience. Uh, I know my, my parents flew in for, to, to watch the game and, and just, uh, just to hear, you know, all the hype around it and then to see it in person and, and stuff like that, it just, your, your adrenaline just kind of takes over. And, uh, it was, uh, it was a pretty cool experience, uh, especially for my, my dad to catch that first game and then to, uh, and then to score that, uh, overtime goal the way I did. And, uh, it was pretty surreal, uh, and, and kind of funny because after the game, you, they, they would do this, uh, I think it was Doug Woog would do this like post game, uh, demonstrating all the goals that happened during the game and uh you I just was talking to my parents uh in the stands afterwards and looking on the ice and they're throwing pucks over the net and he's trying to swing at it, it took him a couple tries and I think he just gave up but that uh, was pretty comical yeah I know that's a good memory of uh Doug Woog may he rest in peace uh as much as I remember watching him on Fox Sports North and uh, thinking he was a homer uh, he was definitely a good commentator uh for the best you can uh, with your memory, could you walk us through that play? I mean, we know it was Ryan Martins, if my memory is correct, that flipped it over the net. You batted it out of the air. Can you just uh, try walk us through that play specifically? Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, I was just excited to be out there. But uh, yeah, it was me and uh, Marty were were uh, were in there. He was down low battling for it, and uh, he he's kind of had a he's pretty pretty sneaky with the puck sometimes. And I kind of had a feeling that he was going to try and slide it back to me, but uh, I didn't think he was going to flip it back the way he did. And I just remember my thought was uh, it wasn't really if, uh, if I, if I try to jump and hit it and score, that wasn't even a thought of mine at the time. It was, if I miss this and Marty's behind the net, that's going to be uh, an odd man rush the other way. And I don't want to, I don't want to have to chase that down. So. Uh, I was just hoping to actually get it on net. Maybe he gets it covered up, but uh, lucky for me, it went five hole. So, yeah. <laughs> that was a where were you moment in Sioux hockey history. I mean, I think it was early in the season, uh, like you were saying, but uh, it was definitely one of those goals where it's like it gets you juiced up for the entire season and that rivalry. Uh, speaking about old WCHA rivalries, uh, I was, uh, I'm kind of of the variety where my dad would take me and my brothers to the WCHA Final Five every year. And uh, that was kind of the spectacle of college hockey, especially back when you were playing. I mean, the XL Energy Center would fill up. Could you just give us some of your best memories from that tournament? At the, at the Final Five? Uh, yeah, yeah, the Final yeah. Five. Oh, that was, uh, you know, that was always uh, a really cool, uh, really cool time, especially uh, it was around St. Patty's Day. And, you know, to see kind of like the Sioux family, like the Sioux family just travels everywhere. I mean, we would go play Denver and, you know, you would still see the sea of green. It would tell you, it almost felt like a home game half the time. It didn't matter where you were to be out East or, you know, as far, far as you can be. And uh, they're everywhere, but especially around the final five time, kind of almost felt like you had the, the home ice advantage, just uh, 
seeing the streets uh, just filled before before and after the games just and uh, and then the rink would fill up for those games and it made it you know you know it's a beautiful rink and it was uh, pretty easy to get up for those games. Yeah, the fans were definitely in one for sure, and the rivalries definitely increased the intensity in the place for sure. Back in the day, the WCHA rivalries were very heated. Uh, fun note, one year, me and my brothers actually had to be removed from our seats. Uh, my brother was in like, he was a freshman in high school, and now this one Gopher fan was pretty in one in front of us. So <laughs> that just tells you how big the rivalry used to be, and uh, I hope that maybe the NCHC tournament can maybe one day get to that level of excitement. Yeah, I know it's, it's sad to see they don't have that, uh, that uh, rivalry uh, matchup every year. I mean, kind of going back to that overtime goal that I had, my, my sister was there at the time as well. And um, I remember when my mom was so, so uh, upset after the game, because I don't think she knew how big the rivalry was. And uh, my mom being the proud mom that she was at the time, she, she's, they were celebrating the goal and everyone around was, upset because they were gophers gopher fans and uh she proudly said hey that's my son that scored that goal and and uh gopher fan goes well fuck your son <laughs> <laughs> and my sister was at, at the time you know she's getting the earmuffs and my mom was just she couldn't believe it <laughs> but i was like mom that's i think that's part of the rivalry talking there yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I want to go back. You talked about how great the, the Sioux family, as you called it, travels and how almost every game feels like a home game. Obviously, you played four years in the greatest arena in the world. And I think there's no discussion about that. Do you want to kind of talk a little bit about what it's like just to just to come out on the ice for a game at the Ralph with basically the entire state of North Dakota and the greater area around you just having your back? Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's incredible. And like you said, it's, it's all downhill. It doesn't matter if you go to the NHL or wherever you go, it's, you talk to, you talk to, oh, you talk to any of those guys that have gone and had very successful careers. I'll tell you that the Ralph is the, it's, it's all downhill after experiencing the, the Ralph home games. But when you come out, you got adrenaline's pumping and then you got uh, Phil Collins getting, getting you juiced up before you come out and everyone has, you know, their routine their superstitions and, and, you know, that Sioux family in the locker room and then you come out and it's, uh, I mean, in my pro career, I've played with a lot of guys in the, in the WCHA is what it was at the time. I've played with, uh, against, or with a lot of guys that I would play against and they go, as much as we hate you guys, we couldn't help but like think of, of like how amazing it was going to your guys' ring. There you go. We don't care if we lost every time we went there. It was so cool to go there. <laughs> yeah, it's no secret that UND fans are the best fans in the country, and uh, you guys as players are certainly rock stars in the community. I mean, walking around, um, uh, what were kind of the go-to spots in Grand Forks back when you were a student, like after the games, after a big sweep, or uh, if you guys are just trying to relax a little bit, where would you guys go to hang out? I mean, there's, you know, there's always uh, the get-togethers at, at house parties and stuff like that. Uh, we had a uh, you know, once you did turn 21, there's a couple good spots. I don't think they're there anymore. I remember Gillies being a place. Um, yeah, yep. Gillies I, isn't around, at least as far no. as I know now. Yeah, I, th I think that got kiboshed. What about the, uh, the Italian moon? I remember my uncle took me there as a kid claiming that that was the Sioux hockey spot. Was that, uh, was that kind of the spot, Italian moon? Yeah, that was one of the spots. Uh, 
I, I think even uh, I think Osh even had an Italian Moon sticker on his car that he had in college. But yeah, there's a couple good spots. Yeah, it's kind of been a minute, but yeah, <laughs> trying to think. Yeah, not uh, trying to jog your memory too much. Just trying to get an idea of, uh, you know, how you guys would celebrate the big moments because uh, back in the day, I mean, uh, especially the hockey program is still very relevant. Uh, we'll get into how much you follow the program still, but uh, just with how successful you guys were back in the day, it's, uh, I'm sure it was just a completely different animal. And especially with social media not being as prevalent, I mean, you guys could probably unloose a little bit and not have to worry about uh, someone recording what you're doing. Yeah, that was, yeah, it was definitely nice. You, Kind of, I mean, we still keep in touch. Uh, we, I have a group chat that with all the Sioux guys that I went there with, and um, even a few guys that I, I didn't go there with. It's, it's kind of that we keep going back to that Sioux family, but it's, it's kind of funny. There's, uh, there's a few, uh, few of the guys that uh, we were talking about uh, how, how uh, we wish we had, you know, some more photos and stuff from back in the day, but it was like, well, it's probably a good idea that we didn't. So. <laughs> See, since you brought up photos, I want to mention, I think it's a pretty iconic photo. It doesn't involve you. I'm a huge Blackhawks fan because I grew up, one of the first two teams I watched had Jonathan Taves on it. But there's that photo of Jonathan Taves and TJ Oshie. And TJ Oshie's wearing like an Abercrombie shirt and like a plaid hat. Does, yeah. he, get, does he get shit for that still? <laughs> or does everybody, did everybody like that style? No, I think, we, I think everyone just had awful style back then. <laughs> we we saw like the worst, you know, the worst clothes that you wore, uh, the better off you were. I, I don't think any of us were making any stylish statements or anything by any means. Speaking of stylish statements, uh, we were kind of doing some research on you, digging into the wormhole on YouTube and uh, saw your interview on the Brad Miller show. And you were, uh, you were standing there wearing a Volcom shirt with the backwards fitted hat, like you said, just not the best style of the time. Yeah. And, and talking about how, with your long hair, the stewardess on the flight accidentally called you ma'am. Yeah. So yeah. we were, we were really, we were really laughing about that. And obviously like the Brad Miller show was kind of uh, the through these doors before through these doors was the thing. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about that a little bit, like the Brad Miller show. We also kind of hope we can maybe get him on the podcast eventually at some point. So. Yeah, for sure. I think that was the last time I did a podcast was on one of his podcasts that he has. I know. He loves, he loves doing that kind of stuff, but yeah, I, I thought that was kind of funny. And he's, he's a, the type of guy that I think uh, it was just a media day and he took the, took the mic one day and uh, just interviewed it, interviewed Matt Watkins, I think it was maybe, or maybe it was Ryan Martins. Uh, I, I don't remember, but um, it got a lot of traction. I think they got a lot of feedback from him that they wanted more of that. And so he kind of took that and ran with it. And started his like weekly show. I think it went on to um, even win like some YouTube awards or something. But uh, it was it was pretty fun. I mean, looking back at some of it, I kind of wish, you know, it would get deleted. <laughs> but it, no, it, it's all it's all pretty uh, pretty funny stuff. And uh, but yeah, like looking back, kind of talking about some of the style that we had back then. It was uh, I don't think we we were going for any fashion points. That's for sure. Going back to the uh, the Brad Miller show, I mean, it's really, I just find it awesome that the school let that slide. I mean, was that school supported? Was that supported through the communications department in any fashion? Or was it just something that you guys went up and did and someone started their own, Brad started his own YouTube page? I'm not sure. I think, I think they helped him uh, kind of start that up. I think uh, once, it, uh, once it got some traction, 
I think the media guys were just like, yeah, this is a good idea. <laughs> and so, and I think he, he, I know he liked that kind of stuff. Uh, and he's got a voice for that here. He's, he's always got some pretty good questions and, and he's got a lot of stories too. <laughs> that uh, I know Brad Malone, Brad Malone, and I think he had his own radio show in uh, when he was in the USHL. Uh, so he kind of talked about how he, he enjoyed doing that kind of stuff as well. But yeah, yeah, a couple storytellers. It's gold. It's gold content for sure. I mean, behind the scenes access at uh, UND Hockey. What's go, what goes behind the scenes at uh, those unreal facilities? I mean, uh, it's an yeah. unreal idea, and I'm surprised they didn't do it before. Yeah. But yeah, uh, no, we're just going to transition now into uh, some questions about your career. Sorry to interrupt you a little bit, but uh, uh, could you just maybe uh, give us a top maybe five list or a top four list? Let's call it the Mount Rushmore of the players you've played with at UND. The top four guys who you would consider the most talented players that. Uh, you suited up for in a Sioux uniform? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, Osh, Osh would have to be the top guy. He was, uh, he, he kind of obviously stands out uh, amongst everyone else and still does to this day, but he's, he's the kind of guy that uh, you want in the locker room because he's just like, he's the funnest guy in there and he's always got a smile on his face. But as soon as he touches the ice, he's determined to be the best player on the ice. He's, you know, He's always been so competitive in everything that he does, and uh, and he's so he's got just a twisted mind too. He's just so creative. So and to think that he you know he's throwing the big hits, he's he's making the big the big plays. He can toe drag someone that you know and just like score a phenomenal goal. He kind of has the full package, and and then uh, just to see uh, the kind of the, the kind of guy he is off the ice, it, it all kind of makes sense. I mean, is he I, chugging I Jersey beers in college. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's. I don't know if it was Jersey beers, but yeah, there was there was a couple of drink here and there, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah I know he, he's definitely uh, well known for that. Now the old, uh, what's it, waterboarding, where he puts the shirt over the mouth. Yeah, that's yeah, classic. Yeah. After the Stanley Cup, there, yeah, it was kind of funny. I I go with him. Uh, he he plays in that celebrity golf tournament thing in Lake Tahoe, and uh, me and Brad Miller usually. Uh, join him and uh, we're a couple fans there um, but we brought him the his, we brought his brother the uh, that water dispensing or beer dispensing helmet you know to, uh, to be the caddy and then he I don't know if you guys ever saw that but he wore it on hole 17 and uh, sunk a sunk a like a 30 foot putt where pretty funny that is classic TJ Oshie he's uh, he's definitely one of the best guys and then you played did you play with Ryan Duncan for just your freshman year uh, I got him for freshman and sophomore year because he, he stayed senior and he was yeah I was, I was just gonna say he was probably the next I mean if not obviously a different player but I don't know what it was I mean I, I would skate with him in the summers quite a bit actually too and he's uh he, he just knows where to be he knows uh when he gets the puck he knows where to put it and he just his vision and his speed and shiftiness was uh, and for me too to watch him play as another uh, smaller guy, I would uh, you know it was it was fun taking notes from him and and watching. Uh, and I know he had a very successful career. He was over here for nine years, I think, if not longer, and won a couple championships in uh, Red Bull Salzburg. And he just recently retired, correct? Yep. Yeah, just recently, just last year, I, I believe. But um, yeah, he was uh, he was a fun player to watch and uh play with and then I'm trying to think uh 
I mean, I, I got, I'd have to say I can't, uh, you know, put one in front of the other, but I got, I was fortunate enough to play uh, with Brad Malone and Matt Fratton on a line. And I, I don't know if they're the most dynamic players, but like uh, just that line was just a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, just, Fratton just, was a Hobie candidate, so uh, he's definitely great. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he was he had a shot that like it was kind of funny. But I would joke with him about it because he was a right winger, and he just had so much speed. And uh, once I saw him pick up that speed in the neutral zone, I just knew that I had to hit him. And uh, you're supposed to go to the net for a rebound, but when he was driving down, uh, if it wasn't going back bar and out, it was going around the boards. So I would just go to the boards in case he missed the net. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we're talking about Matt Fratton. Were you, I mean, I haven't done the research to quite see, were you on the team when he just murdered that guy in the corner or the gopher guy? Yeah. 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 I was, uh, I was on the ice there. <laughs> Do you think it was clean? Oh yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I he's agree. Just, he's just, you get, you get in the train tracks and it doesn't matter who's there. He, he's, he's done that a couple of times. It was actually kind of funny. He did that same hit. Obviously, it wasn't as uh, blown up on media or anything, uh, but he did that same hit another time, and I was actually standing on the other side of the guy that got hit, and I got I got put on my ass, and it was, <laughs> you know, I was like, I was also against the, also against the golfers too, right? Uh, probably, yeah. yeah. That's that's the kids came, and same same with the uh, same with the uh, pony, like or Brad Malone. He he had another big hit in the same spot. And I remember they had that. I felt kind of bad for that guy. Gosh, what was his name? But they had the sign up in the corner that said uh, whatever his name's corner. And it was, oh, yeah. Uh, was it Walters or something like that for the Walters who hit in the corner? Yeah, I can't remember who it was. But, yeah, it was a couple of big hits. Yeah, I know. Speaking of uh, Matt Fratton, uh, his uh, Hobie Baker candidacy season, which was your senior season, that's when you guys made it to the Frozen Four. And uh, I was at that game. I uh, got caught on national television crying after Michigan scored the empty net goal. So I feel you. I, uh, I have some empathy yeah. with you there. Uh, I know it was your yeah. last game in a Sioux uniform, but uh, just know yeah. I felt your pain that game with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, – that's one of those games. I think uh, I was looking at the – I mean, you look at the box scores. So I think I had 10 shots that game, it said. I don't think I've ever had that many shots. Yeah, that goal was um, standing on his head. Yeah, he he's uh, he was he really was making some big saves and yeah he he kept it kept it in for him. I got one more question for you. Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a story out there, Brad Schlossman talking about when UND played down in Vegas, and apparently you bought some UND fans a few beers, something like that. Uh, if you want to talk about that, I think as a fan and a former player, it's great to see stuff like that, kind of giving back to the community yeah. almost. And uh, if you just want to yeah. talk about the program as a whole and what you kind of see out of what they're going to do this year, what you hope they can do this year, what they've done in the past, and just kind of the whole realm of the program. I know you're kind of tight with some of the people that are on the inside still. So just talk about that a little bit before we wrap up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think it was uh, an idea that was started in our, in our group chat that I was talking about. I think uh, Brad Miller maybe came up with the idea or – or Osh, I'm not sure, but um, yeah, I think everyone uh, wanted to chip in, and and you know, it's it's a pretty cool thing to go play in Vegas there, and 
uh, any way we could support the Sioux fans or give back at all. I think that's the, the community that we have. Um, that's the definition of uh, for the boys, Evan. Exactly. And, uh, and then, yeah, like I, I actually, uh, I, I live for, uh, I had my own place downtown, but um, in Minneapolis this past summer. Uh, but then uh, before I had that place and then once my lease was up, I, and I thought I'd be gone, but quarantine kind of pushed everything back. I actually lived at Dan Crystal's place in this, in the summer. And uh, during the season, uh, Brad Berry's uh, daughters lived there. For the boys. And so uh, I would see Bubs every now and then and, and talk to him about uh, uh, the past season and how unfortunate it was to, to come to an end the way it did when they were having so much success. But talking to him a little bit about the program and, and looking forward, it's, it, they seem uh, pretty excited about, about uh, moving forward and still having another successful team. And it looks like... I mean, I'm just looking at the rankings and stuff. It looks like we're we're high up there, if not first or second, I think on the on the rankings that I saw. But um, just to keep that uh, that Sioux uh, success and just the way they carry themselves, is, I think that's the biggest thing I learned playing at North Dakota was how to conduct yourself as a pro and carrying that on to to hockey after after North Dakota. Do you still uh, do you still try to watch the games? I know you're a busy guy with your own career going on, but uh, if UND has a big game going on or if you have uh, open time in your schedule, do you try to tune into their games? Yeah, yeah, I'll try to tune in. I always uh, I, I keep up with all the uh, you know through the through these doors and and all that stuff as well. And yeah, it's uh, I still try to keep in in touch. All right, good deal. I think that should do it. Then that'll officially do it. Evan Trupp, thanks for coming on. You are the inaugural guest of Sioux Light 2.0. It's an honor. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Stay safe. All right. Have a good one, guys. All right. Thanks, Evan.